how to see and share Jesus from all of Scripture, well, learn with us at the Christ Centered and Clear podcast. Welcome to the Christ Center and Clear podcast. We're in our fifth week of a six-week series called How to Foolproof Your Family, preached by John Aiken at First Baptist Church of Naples. Uh, this week's episode focuses on conflict and communication in marriage. We know it'll be a help to you as you seek to apply the truth of Scripture to your life as you see Jesus in all of Scripture. Today, we're going to continue our series in the book of Proverbs on foolproofing your family by looking at Uh, several verses in Proverbs on how to uh, wisely deal with conflict and communication in marriage. We're going to give wise principles for dealing with conflict in marriage. We'll be in Proverbs chapter 4 here in just a second. Recently, I saw a a comedy uh, series, a special on Netflix by a guy named Nate Bargatze. Nate uh, is from Middle Tennessee, where I once pastored, and it's, it's it's clean. He doesn't cuss. It's a good uh, show, but uh, one of those, uh, one of the jokes he's telling, he's talking about marriage, and he's talking about conflict and communication, and the silent treatment, and how uh, silent treatment can be something that is easily done in marriage, where we're not communicating and where we're kind of freezing each other out. And he said it. it he he thought about that when he watched the movie The Sixth Sense uh, for another time. Not he had he had seen it earlier in life, but now he was watching it again, and and so that movie's been out twenty years. And, you know, sorry if I ruin it, but it's been, it's been out for a long time. But he's talking about how the guy in that movie, Bruce Willis' character, is dead, okay? He's, he's dead. That's kind of the, the big climax of the movie is that he's dead. And he said, but when we watched it the first time, we didn't realize that he was dead. That was the biggest shock we'd ever seen in our lives. And we just thought that this, this guy's wife didn't talk to him for like a year. He said that, that made more sense to us than the fact that he could be dead, that this, this man's wife just wouldn't talk to him for a year. And he said, I, I went back and watched it, and it was like, do they show him getting killed? He's like, yeah, at the beginning of the movie, a guy shoots him with the gun. And for two hours, we watched it, and we, and we thought, I know what this guy's going through. This is a, this is a movie about how difficult marriage is. Uh, but now, that's, that's funny, but the truth is that uh, conflict and communication are very important things in marriage and very difficult things for married couples to work through. We need to learn how to work through conflict and to communicate well. It's essential to a good marriage. And I think Proverbs has some wisdom that will help us do that. So there's three things I want us to see here in the book of Proverbs as we think about wise principles for dealing with conflict in marriage. The first one is this, diagnose the cause rather than the symptom. Diagnose the cause, your heart, rather than the symptom, your communication. And that's where you need to start. Listen to what the Bible says here in Proverbs 4, verses 23 and 24. Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. Put away from you crooked speech and put devious talk far from you. Solomon says that the the heart is the command center of your life and everything else flows out of your heart, including, verse 24, your words. So your words come out of the overflow of your heart and reveal the condition of your heart. And Jesus says something very similar in the Gospels. The problem is we consistently say things that we shouldn't. We consistently communicate in ways that we shouldn't in marriage. 
because our hearts are broken by sin. Listen to what the Bible says in Proverbs 20 and verse 9. Who can say, I have made my heart pure, I am clean from my sin. And so our hearts are broken by sin, and so brokenness flows out of our hearts through our mouths and the words that we speak. So when we speak when we should be listening or when we love to hear our own opinion when we're talking to our spouse, when we make biting comments that hurt our spouse's feeling and then then kind of play it off with, oh, I was just joking, I didn't really mean it. When we are consistently angry or we tear down our spouse or we nag, what is first and foremost revealing is an issue with our heart. That's the root cause of what is going on. So the first thing that we need to do before communicating in conflict is diagnose our heart. What's going on in our heart that's causing this miscommunication to happen? James is the wisdom book of the New Testament. And James chapter four says, usually the reason why you have conflict, whether it's, it's church conflict or marital conflict, the reason that you have conflict is very simple. You're not getting what you want. That's what James chapter four says. You're not getting what you want. And so your heart isn't getting what it wants or it expects. And so it's, it's flowing out in conflict with your spouse. You're not getting what you want. You're not getting what you expect. And so there is tension. And there's a saying that says that expectation is the mother of disappointment. What you expect, the reason why you're disappointed is because you're not getting what you expect. And so expectations are always the mother of disappointment. And so what you've got to do is diagnose. What is it that I want? What is it that I expect that I'm not getting from my spouse? Is it respect? Is it communication? Is it attention? Is it help with the kids? Is it help around the house? Is it affection? Is it romance? Is it intimacy? Is it control? Is it comfort? What is it that I want? What is it that I expect that I'm not getting from my spouse? And you have to diagnose that and recalibrate your heart because if not, you're gonna end up in the cycle where you get more bitter and more bitter and more bitter and there's more conflict and more conflict and more conflict. Because here's what happens. You expect something and you're not getting it. And so that leads to frustration and then it leads you to pass judgment on your spouse because you're looking at and you're saying, look, I, a, a husband should help his wife with this. A wife should help her husband with that. And so you pass judgment and you say, my wife is a bad wife. My husband is a bad husband. They're not doing what husbands are supposed to do. They're not doing what wives are supposed to do. And we just continue that cycle of expectation, not getting it, frustration, passing judgment. And then if we're Christians, we'll even look at the Bible and we'll use Bible verses to justify our conflict and our anger. And we'll say, the Bible says my wife's supposed to do that. The Bible says my husband's supposed to do that. The Bible says a dad does that. A bi the Bible says a mom does that. And so we're saying, look, not only are you a bad husband, you're a bad Christian. Not only are you a bad wife, you're a bad Christian. You're not doing what Christian husbands and wives are supposed to do. And the cycle spins out of control and there's animosity and there is conflict. And we keep justifying our anger because we're able to point at the faults of our partner rather than dealing with the expectation of our own heart. And here's the bottom line. The only person in your marriage that you can control is you. You, that's it. The only person you can do something about in your marriage is you. 
And so the first thing that you do, the first step is diagnose in your heart, why am I responding the way that I am? What is it that I think I should be getting that I am not? What selfishness is in my heart? And then recalibrate and move away from that selfishness and that frustration and that passing of judgment. So the first thing you do, diagnose the cause. What's happening in your heart that's leading to the symptom, this miscommunication? And that's going to help get you on the right footing. That leads to the second thing the Bible says that you should do. The second thing that you should do is season your communication with gentleness, love, and the willingness to let offenses go. Season your communication with gentleness, love, and the willingness to let offenses go. Listen to what the Bible says in Proverbs 15:1. A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. You must communicate with your spouse after you've done the work in your heart, then you communicate with your spouse in gentleness and love. As the New Testament says, you speak the truth in love slams and sarcasm and passive aggressiveness and trying to make the other person feel dumb and losing your temper and trying to put them in their place may make you feel better for a second, but it's not going to work in restoring the relationship. It's not going to make things better. And so what we're called to do according to Proverbs is to try to deescalate the conflict rather than escalate the conflict. And you can do that by asking yourself questions about your communication about what you're about to say. Am I trying to win an argument or restore the relationship? What's the win here? Is the win me being proven right? Or is the win reconciliation, me and my spouse at peace and harmony once again? Are my words motivated by love or by proving them wrong? You've got to keep the big picture in mind. The win is not you winning an argument. The win is you winning back your spouse. And so try to de-escalate rather than escalate. There is nothing more persuasive than a gentle answer in persuading and changing someone's mind. The New Testament says it's the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. So it's God's kindness that changes our heart and changes our mind. And so that's the same thing in our communication with our spouse. Proverbs 16, 21, the wise in heart will be called discerning and sweetness of speech increases persuasiveness. Sweetness of speech increases persuasiveness. And so speak with gentleness and kindness. If you don't, you're going to cause all kinds of trouble. I remember hearing this uh, story from my dad when my, my parents got married when they were really young. My dad was 21. My mom was 19 and they were very poor. And so they had to be very careful and frugal with their money. And so one night they're having dinner. My mom made sandwiches and then they had an old, old bag of potato chips and she put a bowl in the center of the table and poured the potato chips in there that were from the bottom of the bag. And they were all stale and crushed up and cracked. As they sit down to eat, my dad looks at the potato chips and says, honey, I noticed that there was a brand new bag of Lay's potato chips in the pantry as I came in here and these don't taste real good and I, I'd rather have those. And my mom said, well, when that bowl's empty, then we can have the new bag and we can open it up. And he said, I'd like to have the new bag now because I don't, I don't really like these. And she said, when that bowl is empty, then we can have the new bag. And so my dad picked up the bowl from the table, 
looked at it, looked at my mom, dumped the chips out in the floor of the kitchen, and then said, well, this bowl's empty now. Why don't you get the new bag of chips? And he said, can you believe it? She didn't want to go get the new bag of chips and said she didn't want to do much else for a few weeks after that either. And so anger and losing your temper and, and escalating the situation is not going to help. You need to be kind, you need to be gentle, and you need to try to de-escalate the situation. You also must be willing to forgive and to let things go and to not keep a record of wrong. I love uh, 1 Corinthians 13, the chapter on love in the NIV says, love does not keep a record of wrong. And I love that. That's, that's what God has done for us in Jesus. God does not keep a record of our wrong against him. And so we should treat our spouse in the way that Jesus has treated us. We should not constantly recall the past and constantly keep a record of the wrong things that they have done. We should be willing to let those things go. Because if you communicate out of bitterness or wanting to get even or constantly reminding them of what they have done wrong, it will not resolve the conflict. And so resist superiority where you act like you couldn't have done the same thing and get rid of this payback mentality of, of they owe me something. I am owed something. I deserve something that I'm not getting. Until I get what I'm owed, I'm not going to let this go. Get rid of that mentality. Do not keep a record of their wrong. If you dwell on what was done and you constantly repeat it to yourself or to a friend or goodness, to your in-laws or to your partner, to your spouse, if you keep repeating it over and over again, you're not going to move towards love and towards resolution of the conflict. I'm not saying you should act like they didn't do anything wrong. I'm not saying you should immediately get over it. I'm not saying that at all. But eventually, you have to be able to let things go and give the benefit of the doubt. That's what love does. Listen to what the Bible says in Proverbs 17 and verse 9. Whoever covers an offense, okay, forgives an offense, seeks love. But he who repeats a matter separates close friends. If you, if you don't let it go and just keep bringing it back up and back up, it's going to cause all kinds of conflict. It's not going to make things better, and it's not going to make them want to change. Or listen to Proverbs 10, verse 12. Hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all offenses. Hatred stirs up strife and conflict and tension, but love covers, it forgives offenses, it lets them go, it doesn't keep a record of wrong. And so season your communication with gentleness, love, and the willingness to let things go. Treat your spouse the way that Jesus has treated you. And then finally, number three, timing is everything in communication. Timing is everything in communication. Listen to what the Bible says in Proverbs 25, verses 11 and 12. A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in a setting of silver. Like a gold ring or an ornament of gold is a wise reprover to a listening ear. A word fitly spoken or a word spoken at the right time is like apples of gold in a setting of silver. Here's the bottom line. You may be right and you may say what you're going to say in all the gentleness in the world, but it will not be well received if you don't say it at the right time. You may be right. You may say it gently, but if you don't say it at the right time, you will not be well received. Received. And here's the bottom line. Proverbs does not give us a how-to manual to know when the right time is. It doesn't give you like criteria one, criteria two, criteria three. It takes discernment. 
A lot of the, the wisdom of Proverbs isn't knowing just the right thing to do. It's knowing the right time to do it. You see this in Proverbs 26, 4 and 5, right? Answer, don't answer a fool according to his folly or you'll be like him. Answer a fool according to his folly or he'll be right in his own eyes. It takes discernment to know when to do which. And the same thing is true about when to speak a word. You speak it at the right time. We, we learn this as children, right? We learn our parents. We know, we, my brothers and I knew growing up, okay, if I ask mom right now for the thing that we want, she's probably going to say no. She's not in the mood to say yes. She's not going to be inclined to say yes. And so now's not the time. Now's not the time to ask my dad. He just got in from work. He's tired. He's hungry. He's frustrated. Now's not the time to ask him for what we want to ask him or to have the conversation that we need to have. But there are other times you're like, man, now's the right time to talk to mom. Now's the right time to talk to dad. This is a conducive environment for having a, a meaningful and helpful conversation. The same thing is true with our spouse. A fool speaks with no regard to the circumstances. You come in from work. The kids have been a mess. You see the house is a wreck. You can feel her tension that she's, she's had a hard day. Now's not the time to say, honey, let's sit down because we got something important we need to talk about. You've got to learn timing and it, and it, takes, it takes messing up. I, I, I've messed up in all these categories. I've messed up in not speaking in gentleness. I've messed up in, in not speaking at the right time. I remember when we were um, newly married and we, were, we had gone, uh, I administered in Louisville. We had gone to Knoxville to spend some time with her parents and it was Saturday and we had to go back home so we could be back in time for church on Sunday. And we were having a hard time just deciding when to leave. There were some, uh, her team was playing the volunteers and my team was playing Miami Hurricanes, uh, different games at different times. And we we're trying to figure out, okay, whenever we leave, somebody's going to miss part of watching their team play. And so we were, we were just having a hard time making decisions. So it, it led to just a little bit of tension and a little bit of frustration. And, and I uh, said something that is true but I definitely said it at the wrong time and I definitely said it in the wrong spirit. I just kind of blew up and said, all right, we're leaving now. And she said, are you sure that's the best decision? I said, listen, the Bible says I'm the head of the house. So let's get in the car and let's go. And immediately I was like, oh, that was, that was not the right thing to say. And we get in the car and we're, we're driving and she's like, I hope, I hope it was worth using that at that time. I hope, I hope that was, hope that was worth it. Uh, and she, she did what I asked, but I, but I, didn't do it in the right spirit. I, I mean, I was right theologically. Ephesians 5 does say the husband is the head of the house. I was right theologically, but I was wrong in the way and in the time in which I delivered it. And so too many people think, well, I told them the truth, and if they can't receive it well, that's on them. That's not on me. No, that's on you. It's not enough just to be right. And it's not enough just to say the right thing. You have to say it in the right way gentleness, and you have to say it at the right time, be patient and to know when that is. Because listen to what the Bible says in Proverbs 15, 23, it says this, to make an apt answer is a joy to a man and a word in season, how good it is. So do it at the right time. Timing is everything in communication. You know, there's a, a proverb that we were told as kids, it's not a biblical proverb, but it's, it's something that people would chant on the, the playground. And it's this, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Here's the bottom line that we know about that little proverb. It's just not true. 
It's not true. We all know it. Words can cause far more and far more lasting damage than sticks and stones ever could. And the Bible tells us in Proverbs 18 that life and death are in the power of the tongue. That your words, your communication have the ability to bring life to your marriage or to kill your marriage. And here's the challenge that we have. We can't control our this tool that God's given us. We, we turn it into a weapon because we can't control it and we use it to hurt our marriages. We keep speaking in anger. We keep interrupting our spouse when they're talking. We keep bringing up the past. We keep stirring things up. We keep nagging. We keep, we keep running away from conflict and, and refusing to communicate. We do all of these things where we use our tongues in ways that cause harm and conflict in our marriage. And you say, I'll change. I'll do better. But you, but you never do. I remember first church I pastored in Louisville. Uh, first time I was, I was preaching on the use of the tongue in Proverbs. And there was a guy there who I knew was an unbeliever. He was visiting the church. I'd met him in the community, invited him. And I knew he was an unbeliever. I knew he and his wife were having some struggles. And he got done preaching on the use of your tongue. And he, he came up to me and he said, Pastor, that was a great message. I, I speak to my wife in ways that I should never, and it's, it's, it's harming my marriage. And so I'm committed. I'm going to go home and I'm going to do better. And he turned around and he left. And I remember thinking to myself, you know, that's, that's all fine and, and good. But what this guy really needs is the gospel of Jesus Christ. I mean, it, it's all fine for him to, to try to white knuckle his, his effort together and to try to, to, to be a better husband. But until his life is changed by Jesus, he's not going to be able to control his tongue because he doesn't have the power of the Holy Spirit shaping and forming him into the image of Christ. What he needed was the gospel. It was, it is no help to him to march into hell trying to speak better to his wife. He needed to have his life changed by Jesus Christ. And the same thing is true for us as Christians. We need the gospel to save us. We also need the gospel to change us into the husband, into the wife that God calls us to be. And we do that by applying the gospel to our daily lives, by applying the gospel to our communication. Because here's the bottom line. If you really believe the gospel, if you really believe it, you don't have to constantly argue with your spouse because you feel like you need to justify yourself. You've been justified by Jesus in God's sight. Why justify yourself in anybody else's sight? You don't have to be proved right. You've been proven right with God. And so you don't need to constantly argue with your spouse to feel like you need to justify yourself because you believe the gospel. You don't have to constantly disparage your spouse to get even because just as God in Christ has forgiven you, so you turn around and forgive your spouse. You don't have to hold things against them because God didn't hold things against you. You don't have to get even with them because God didn't get even with you. And so you grasp the gospel and it helps you to not keep a record of the wrong against you. You don't get ticked off when your spouse rebukes you because you know you're a sinner. And you know you're not perfect. And yet God has offered you grace and forgiveness for that in Jesus Christ. So even if the rebuke, even if they're not 100% on about this one, there's all kinds of things in your life that are sinful and that fall short that they don't even know about. And yet, yet God has been merciful to you for that in Jesus Christ. And so you don't need to defend yourself. You have the approval of God in Jesus Christ. And so you can, in freedom, try to do better to change who you are in the power of the Holy Spirit. And so to the degree that you grasp the gospel, 
you will be able to graciously communicate with your spouse and resolve conflict and move towards peace in the same way that the wisdom of God tells us it's going to bring us back into right relationship with God and into right relationship with people around us, including our spouse. Thank you for listening to the Christ-Centered and Clear podcast. If you have questions or topics or texts you would like us to consider for future podcasts, please contact us at ChristCenteredAndClear at gmail.com and please visit us at ChristCenteredAndClear.com for more resources.